Talk Show is brought to you by... Hey, want to feel young again? Are you tired, run down, have aches and pains, brain fog? This is science-based, not hype or fancy marketing. It really works. Carbon-60 helps detoxify your body on the cellular level. It stabilizes free radicals, just like the antioxidants found in red wine and berry stew, but on a far smaller, more bioavailable nanoscale. It's like a bottle of electrons, helping your body to function better. You can also apply it on your skin, topically, over muscles, joints, or organs. Most people feel results within minutes. This is not a drug. It's organic carbon. Feel better today. About 95% of our users report more energy and clarity of mind within 10 days. Give us a call at Greska's Carbon 60 at 720-600-6040 or visit our site at c-60.com. Call 720-600-6040 and feel young again. Welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, the FinFab channel, the NBC Network, with your host, Hurricane H. New day, awesome show, uh, a show that can give you hope, a show that will give you motivation and inspiration, a show that may change your life, and a show for some people that can actually give them advice on how to deal with a particular, uh, I guess, medical uh, condition, and we'll talk about all that. And so with me today, someone who actually is an author, uh, she's a, a rare illness, uh, illness advocate. She's a survivor, and uh, she's gone through tough times, and, and yet she was able to manage and break through the whole thing. And not only that, now she is all over social media. She is writing her book, and she is really helping others uh, through advocacy. So again, I'm being a little bit, as always, suspenseful. Uh, so without any further ado, I have with me Holly Francis, and uh, and, and she is... Uh, you know, definitely going to uh, guide us through a whole different experience of hers first. So, Holly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Hurricane, for having me on. Well, it is true pleasure. And, uh, you know, I when I read about your story, uh, you, you know, it was, it's it's just a must to have on the network because uh, a lot of people go through a lot of different things. And some, you know, we all have level where we think that our case is the worst case until we hear the other story <laughs> you know and then and then sometimes we say that it's hopeless and until we hear the stories of others and then we we build that hope and hopefully today literally i mean no pun intended <laughs> you know we can give that hope back to a lot of folks out there and whatever their conditions may be now now holly let's take us to your story and and your actual i guess deal with gbs now i'm not even gonna give it a shot <laughs> as we talked about you're gonna have to bring that gbs to us you know for those of you who might know what it is i mean i can read it in french and i just kind of read <laughs> the way it's it sounds so so holly write us to that one give us that whole concept of what happened uh and what it is and then sure. what was the, the the symptoms the you know the whole thing and then the experience itself Sounds good. So this all happened uh, back in 2011. So I was 26 years old at the time and I was completely healthy. I had a great career. I was newly married uh, and, and I'd actually just given birth to my daughter. So I had a wonderful nine month pregnancy 
was really looking forward to my future and being a mom and just creating all these new memories and starting this new chapter of my life. And so it was a really, really exciting and happy uh, time in my life. And, uh, you know, you, you have your whole life planned, but sometimes life has a different plan for you. And that's what happened with me. And so I was at home recovering from a C-section. I had a C-section with my daughter uh, three weeks prior. And I was at home and, you know, just adjusting to life as a new mom. And it was, it was tough breastfeeding and getting up in the middle of the night. Um, but I loved it. And I was just, like I said, just really, really happy. Uh, but then suddenly I got this weird pain in my neck. So that was uh, one of my first symptoms that I had. And at the time I thought it was just like a pinched nerve or, or something like that. Uh, later I got some tingling in my fingertips. I kind of just ignored that. And then later that night, uh, it progressed to kind of weakness in my legs. So it kind of felt like I was getting the flu. And I was walking up the stairs and I remember thinking, I'm really tired and I'm really drained and my legs feel really heavy and, and thought that I was just getting sick. And I also thought, you know, I'm probably just really tired and need a good night's sleep. And especially me, I'd, I'd been healthy my entire life. So I, I certainly didn't think it would be anything serious. Uh, now, unfortunately, everything really progressed very quickly. And within a few hours uh, after that, uh, the pain was so severe that I was in tears and I was taking pain medication and it wasn't helping. And I'm going on Google and I'm, I'm Googling like these symptoms and it's saying I have a pinched nerve because that's what you do when you, ha when you uh, have WebMD. symptoms, right? You Google. Yeah, WebMD, exactly. So, of course, that's what it says. I have a pinched nerve and so I'm trying to ignore it and I'm trying to do massages and stretches and, and nothing's helping. I go to bed that night trying to ignore it and my daughter actually woke up in the middle of the night to nurse and when I stood up to go to her my legs actually gave out on me and so I fell to the floor and it was then that I knew that it was much more severe than a pinched nerve or or maybe it was a pinched nerve but it was very serious it was affecting my ability to walk basically so I went to the hospital I had my ex-husband now um, I had him drop me off and I said, you know, I don't want my newborn coming in with me. Just come back in a couple hours. I'll call you once I'm ready. And unfortunately, things progressed so quickly that within 12 hours of arriving at the hospital, I was completely paralyzed, breathing on a ventilator in the ICU. That's how quickly it came on. What? Ooh. I That's ventilator. I mean, I, I, I got the, the paralysis piece, but... But the ventilator, I mean, so the whole body was not functioning. This is not just the extremities. Yeah. yeah. So basically what happened. So once I went into the, the hospital, I was lucky that I saw a doctor that he admitted, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I'm going to try and find somebody that might. He noted that I was very weak and I was losing grip strength and I was losing the ability to walk. And uh, he brought down a neurologist to come meet me. And the neurologist, again, very lucky that he had seen a case of GBS before. And he said, I think you have this rare disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And I remember just looking at him going like, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that. Most people have never heard of GBS. Uh, and so what it is, is it's a, it's a rare autoimmune disorder. And it's very similar to multiple sclerosis. So a lot of people know what what MS is, yeah. and MS is is affecting the uh, basically the brain and the spinal cord, and GBS is very similar, but it it basically affects the nerves in the body, 
And so an immune, your immune system sees an attack on the body and then it, it sends out a, your immune system to basically, you know, attack or fight whatever it sees. And the body then begins to attack itself in GBS. And so that's what was happening to me. It started to attack the nerves and uh, basically it, it stopped my body from being able to transmit signals and causing weakness and, and eventually paralysis. So the paralysis for me spread so quickly. Uh, within 72 hours of my very first symptom, it spread all the way up my diaphragm and affected my lungs and basically paralyzed my diaphragm. So it affected my ability to breathe on my own. And so that was when I was rushed to ICU put a tube in my mouth and basically I basically on my, my deathbed, not sure if I was going to survive. I mean, I'm just listening to you. It's a horror story. I mean, it's, it's not something you said plenty of things there that we can just at least expand on right now. I mean, the first part is you are in, in the top, you know, live with, with all the hopes and dreams, a new baby born and all the excitement that someone really looks forward to in life. And this happens sudden. And uh, that, that so, so, so we shouldn't be taking life for granted. We got to take care of ourselves. And even when you do that, you never know. Life throws in some real weird stuff at us as, as part of a test here, I guess. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to come back from it. But, you know, it takes a lot of resilience and things. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the other part that you mentioned is that you felt the symptoms of the numbness and stuff, but you ignore it. You ignored, you ignored those signals. Now, I think if everybody is watching and listening, we all had some level of pain at a point or another, and we'd say, no, nah, it's nothing. Now, luckily, for the most part, it's nothing, but you never know. And I think one of the messages I think that we can really highlight here is that when it's not right, it doesn't feel right, you know, it doesn't, you know, uh, it pays to actually go pay, pay a visit to a doctor, you know, check it out, Absolutely. see what's going on. Don't let it, again, I don't know if that in your case would have made a difference if you went three days before, whatever, maybe. Um, it would have, yeah. It would have. Okay, there you go. So, but, but yeah. That, yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So basically um, with GBS, the sooner that you can get on treatment, basically you get um, something called IVIG or plasmapheresis, which is basically like a blood transfusion. And so the sooner you can get that, the better your outcome is. So for me, it was very, I was very fortunate that I was diagnosed so quickly. And that doesn't always happen with GBS patients. Some people go in and especially if, if the weakness is not very obvious for other people yet it feels obvious to the person but it you might not be able to see that they're struggling to walk and so you know if if a doctor it happens doctors may not think that anything's wrong and they'll actually send them home uh, which can be detrimental to somebody's recovery absolutely well you know we always say prevention right preventative measures yeah. and and don't delay you know early uh, detection is is the key and so all those words and terms we've always heard i mean you really demonstrate the need for them today to all of us again or at least reiterate them because we tend to feel like you know we're i guess really you know very strong tough and uh you know nothing can phase us and we are very weak as as, as a human nature literally a little a little bug something in the system that, mm -hmm. that goes off and then everything stops i mean really that's all there is right Absolutely. uh and 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 by the way i do i know that you're lucky because not every er would have 
you know, someone who would have the expertise that you were able to get in that day. And to have a neurologist specifically in there, that may not even be something that you'll come across in most of the hospitals uh, in the States or, or worldwide. I mean, this show is worldwide. So, I mean, some places, they don't even probably know what that is. I mean, as, as an actual diagnosis. Uh, and I'm not downplaying, you know, the medicine around the world, but, you know, I, we tend to have some of the top ones. But even here in the States, you're going to have difficulty uh, really uh, discovering what that is. And you said it. I mean, if the symptoms are not, and what you described also can be many things. Uh, and, exactly. and by the way, I can tell you, uh, my dad, I mean, he was 73 and uh, he his diagnosis was completely off. It was different. I mean, it was terminal. It was something else. But believe it or not, that's exactly what happened to him, mm -hmm. you know, towards he felt numb. We didn't know what it was. It was cool. He still flew away overseas. And then when he got there, he started not walking. And next thing he was paralyzed. Now, later on, we found out that he had, you know, I mean, stage four cancer, whatever. But but that 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 same symptom picture that you were describing, I, mm -hmm. I remember going through that same phase, except it was a whole different, you know, uh, yeah. way of going. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you can probably have other similar, like you said, MS. It's, it's got a similar thing, which does actually impact the extremities. And sometimes paralysis is, is part of the outcome. So the idea is like everything else being ahead of the game the minute you feel not wrong about something don't delay don't think that it's nothing guess what vet it out if it's nothing it's nothing but if it's something you caught it early enough therefore you have a better shot than most right and but but so we are glad i am glad that you're here and that you're you know with your daughter now and taking care of her you know and uh but i also have to say that 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 was a very tough you know place for you to be as a mother i can just imagine the the level of stress that you would have gone through at that point uh you know the mental status you know <laughs> would have been very difficult for you because uh here you are facing this that you probably said it i mean I, it was almost death you know ahead of you and you did not know that you would be coming back from it and and then you just i'm sure that in your mind like well who's going to take care of my daughter and stuff and all these things in my career all these things at that time would have been something you've you know experienced would you be able to share some of that level? I mean, if you do recall any of that, because that's, I think it's important for people to, to at least, you know, link up to, you know, and, and really uh, relate to. Yeah, absolutely. So the funny thing is, is that a lot of people think that when you're in ICU, or at least when you're, you have GBS and you're in ICU and you're on a ventilator that you're sedated and you're in a coma and you don't remember things. And a lot of people ask, oh, do you remember ICU? And, Unfortunately, I do. I remember every single detail. Um, I was very coherent. I was on a lot of medication, but I remember everything that happened. And it was quite horrific. I was uh, in a lot of pain. The nerve pain that I was dealing with was basically inflammation of every part of my nerves. So it felt like I had the most severe flu. It felt like whenever anybody touched me, it felt like somebody was stabbing me. It was just horrific. And I was on the most, like the strongest medication that I could possibly be on. Um, but still awake and still knowing what was happening. And so I knew that my daughter was, my, my newborn was there. And I knew that I couldn't be her mom. And she was only three weeks old. I'd barely gotten to do anything with her. We were supposed to be going to mommy and me classes and we were going to take her for her first walk in her stroller. And I didn't get to do any of that. And so it was just like, I had, I had no idea what my future looked like. I had no idea if I was going to even survive. I didn't know if I would ever get to being her mom. And so I was quite broken for a very long time that I was just devastated and felt robbed of my life and felt like 
Uh, there was just no hope for me to keep fighting. Um, but the doctors kept telling me, you know, you have to keep fighting. You have to keep moving forward. But it was very, very hard um, in those dark, dark moments. It's it's really it's hard to hear. I mean, I you know, again, I, just just the idea of going through this. And and here's the thing. You said it very clearly that you were not in, in a coma state. You were actually awake. So yes, you had the the ventilators, you had all the the sedation and stuff to keep you cool and less pain you know, in pain. Mm -hmm. But but your mind was working. You you can you're still conscious. I mean, in coma you're probably not conscious, and I think that's yeah. the the real diagnosis for it, you know. But but you you were really awake. But but you're there. But you're not there physically. You're just sitting there or like laying there. But but the yeah. mind is is firing. You know, in all synapses. You know, everything was working. And you know, so so it's double pain. You not only have that emotional pain and, and and mental status pain is 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 there, but you also have all that body stuff that that was affected. And it, you mentioned something very interesting because then any one of us who has experienced any level of pain, whether it's a headache or you know you hit yourself somewhere, whatever, it's painful. Your descriptive here, your description is that the whole body was in pain. I mean, that's like having you know torture all over like you're being mm -hmm. fried alive i mean uh, just just thinking about that it's like you know it's it's unimaginable and i it's one way for you to say it now because uh, because mm -hmm. i don't think words can describe exactly what you were going through you're doing <laughs> the best you can do but but you know just thinking about it it gives me actually the 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 <laughs> the, the jeepers here <laughs> or it's mm -hmm. really like a really difficult to even comprehend the level the magnitude of pain you were going through uh, so again, my heart is 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 to all people that are going out there, you know, with any type of pain because it's not fun. It's it, you know, I mean, you get just as basic for ladies. Menses can be very you know bad. You mm -hmm. know, a bad headache and migraines can be bad. Mm -hmm. But what you had is like you know a hundredfold you know that pain or even more. I mean, I don't think there is a le if we were saying from zero to ten, you're like you know hundred. <laughs> you know, yeah, so that's yeah, that's pretty much what I had. <laughs> they would ask me what my pain levels were, and that's what I would say. Like at a hundred, it was just out of this world. And I was also dealing with. Uh, a lot of nausea and vomiting because I was on so many different medications. Oh, and so I just felt awful all the time. I was on the ventilator, which was terrifying because it, it constantly felt like I was underwater about to run out of air. Every breath was very forced and felt like it was unnatural and felt like I wasn't going to be able to breathe. And so there was this constant fear and anxiety that I was going to die at any moment. And then there was the intense depression that, you know, I'm never going to get back to my life. I'm never going to get out of here. I'm never going to get to be the mom that I wanted to be. And it was, it was a long journey out of that hole. And I spent almost three months in, in ICU in that dark place. I was going to ask how long was that actually? I, that's just the ICU. Then there's just, more. Yeah. I mean, so, so from the minute you went in, three months out, you were all in the ICU. Almost three months. Yep. Yep. So Locked I in with, with the stuff in and all that and feeding yeah, you to IV and all this stuff. Yeah. I had a, basically a, a tube in my stomach. That's how I was fed. Uh, I had first the tube was in my mouth. Uh, the ventilator tube was in my mouth, but it was later moved to my throat um, through a tracheotomy tube. And so I was able to mouth words and that's how I communicated um, or else through my family would basically point to letters 
on a on a communication board and they would spell out sentences that I wanted them to use. But other than that, I couldn't speak for almost three months. And uh, my daughter was there every single day with me, which was incredible and heartbreaking at the same time. So it was amazing that she could be there and they put her on my chest every day and she was by my bedside and we wanted to, you know, keep that connection and that bond going. And I like to think that she knew who I was. I mean, she would like stare at me and, and she was just really into to watching everything that was going on in the, in the room but it was also heartbreaking because she was growing up before me. Like she was getting bigger as the days went on and as the weeks went on and I missed her first smile and I was missed. I was missing all these things that she was doing at home. And so it was, it was really, really tough to, to, you know, know not know if I was ever going to be able to see her grow up, if I was going to ever get to do all these things that I had wanted to do with her. Uh, but as time went on, I, I did get better. So the paralysis started to fade actually before the three months. It was uh, about six weeks in actually. And it's it faded back where it started. So my fingers. And then it gradually kind of moved up and down my body. And, and I could start to move my hand. And then I could move my arm. And, and uh, then I had to learn how to breathe on my own. So getting off the ventilator was definitely the hardest part of my journey. And that was where I had to practice off the ventilator for 20 or 30 seconds at a time. And I remember it felt so impossible. Again, it felt like I was underwater and I was about to drown. And I remember I would beg my doctors to put me back on the ventilator and they would, and they'd say, okay, you have to last 72 hours before you can get off the ventilator. And I would just break down in hysterics because I would be like, I did 15, 30 seconds and I could barely do it. How am I going to last 72 hours? Uh, but I was very fortunate that the doctors, they, they knew how tough this was and they knew that I was, I was losing hope. And they actually found another GBS survivor to come to the hospital to visit me. And he brought me this sign and it was like the sign that one of his nurses had made for him when he was in the hospital and he had completely recovered and he put it on my wall and it was this quote that said courage doesn't always roar sometimes it's the quiet voice at day's end saying i will try again tomorrow and i remember at that moment just being like you know what i can always try again tomorrow and so that's what i did even though it was hard even though i often didn't believe i was going to get there i just promised myself i would keep going and i would keep trying again tomorrow and Gradually, as the weeks went by, I was able to breathe on my own, got off the ventilator, and got out of ICU. Well, first of all, I, you know, from this platform, we we want to commend you know uh, that particular person that came in and gave you that because they, I'm sure, it had to play with 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 you know your hope and and your really, uh, I guess, uh, ability to survive through this and go through it, and uh, also the fact that you had your daughter come in to see you every day and be there with you. I'm sure that was like, you know, you're, you were fighting to to make it through. And that's the other thing. I mean, if you had probably no one come in or whatever, you might have a different outcome because you would have lost hope and that there's nothing for you to look forward to. But you had that ability and you see that I'm going to do whatever. You are, your mind is stronger than, than people you know, think. And so it does have a play. Uh, and, and again, you also got very lucky to have a set of doctors that were able to to really work with you and got you through this. Now, um, I'm going to ask some of the obvious questions in terms of like, you know, the clinical aspect of it. 
Uh, was there any, like, once you went through this process and you talked to the doctor, because I know initially it was quick, you were in, you didn't have time to, to absorb all this or know exactly everything. I mean, it happened. You probably, all this stuff was told to you a little later, you know, when you were mm-hmm. coherent and, and aware. Now, w- was there anything that they told you that could have potentially prevented this? Or this is something that maybe genetic that you, you there was no way for you, it would have happened no matter what. Because sometimes so- we, we think about food, we think about maybe practice, you know, behaviors, whatever. Yeah, it's it's so hard to say. So GBS, like I said, it's an autoimmune disorder. So it typically will come on uh, two to four weeks after some sort of event that happens to your body. So that really can be anything. There are many, many, many things that can trigger an autoimmune or can, that can trigger an immune response, right? I mean, the common cold, the flu, uh, getting a tattoo, uh, eating raw chicken. There's so many different things that, you know, your immune system is fighting off on a daily basis. Uh, but with GBS, it's some sort of common event or, or, or astronomical event that it sees and it begins fighting. And so for me, when we base it on the timeline, based on when I gave birth to my daughter, that's what they believe was my trigger. And I have seen many, many cases uh, since obviously recovering from GBS and meeting other GBS survivors and meeting other women. Uh, It is common after giving birth uh, or after being pregnant or after having a C-section because it's such a traumatic experience on the body. And so for me, that's, that was the timeline. Listen, I mean, cesarean or c-section is is not not anytime you go through surgery it's not fun mm-hmm. and I, you know uh, sometimes uh, and by the way i've seen this happen and you know i hate to say it this way but i am in the insurance space and the healthcare and uh, even with my wife believe it or not when uh, she was pregnant the first time you know uh, they, she went to this doctor and this doctor only did c-sections literally and so that's the only way he would deliver you know now from uh from a financial, you know, perspective, you know, uh, uh, C-sections make more money. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, and, and unfortunately, you know, it's, as not sound, doesn't sound very ethical that that's the only way you do when you tell people that mm-hmm. you can, then we're going to do it this way. Uh, and then we had a different doctor who chose otherwise and she never did. Uh, and so, so again, just for, for women out there, uh, you know, don't just settle for C-section because mm-hmm. you have, unless you have no choice, that's a last resort. I mean, I, you know, someone can say, well, what, what the hell, you know, hurricane? Well, I'm telling you, (laughs) I've had a couple of kids and, you know, we, we went through the whole process, you know, but, but it it could have been very easy. Yeah. We're going to book a date and stuff, but anytime you go to a surgery, there's always a risk, you know, there's blood clots, there is anesthesia, there's things, you know, that can happen and you never know what that, that, and again, it could trigger something big as, as, as what we're talking about today. You don't know. So if you can't, if you don't have to, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Get your options. I mean, give it to the last minute. I mean, trust me, if the baby is not being delivered and they see that you have to go through a C-section, that will make you do it anyways. But that will <laughs> yeah. be a last resort, not the choice that you plan for. Yeah. Sometimes I think about like, why would people even plan that? Like, you know, oh, we're going to have a birthday on this day and we're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a choice. I mean, no one, I mean, it's like telling someone, let's cut you and see what happens. You know, <laughs> that's not a not nice option. Yeah. But again, you know, I'm trying to make some light of this, but, but it is a serious thing, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, absolutely. 
Well, again, your cho- you didn't you didn't plan for it. You had no choice. You had no, it. no, no. It just happened. But I mean, it is surgery is is a common trigger of GBS, whether it's pregnancy related or not, um, and many other things can cause it too. The most common um, trigger for GBS is uh, influenza, actually. So the the common flu. So typically, you know, three, two to four weeks um, after someone having the flu. GBS can come on. Um, another common one is uh, the Campylobacter bacteria, which is found in undercooked chicken. So interesting that, you know, if you get food poisoning, that that can trigger a case of GBS. It's also really common um, after vaccines. And um, we've seen it a there. lot with <laughs> caffeine. I, I, I won't go there, but um, it, it is, just it's, it is, a, it is a, uh, it's, it's on the, the brochure, you know, Guillain-Barre syndrome is a side effect. Uh, you know, I'm just, I was just fine. Because <laughs> you, you mentioned the word that goes crazy. So everybody goes nuts about it. But, but yeah, but, but you're right. I mean, the, thank you for sharing because it's important to realize, I mean, we have to have some fun as well, but, but really it's, it's, these things that you mentioned, I mean, events that do happen. And again, you are putting bodies into things that are maybe not normal and the body is going to do what it's supposed to do. It just mm-hmm. attacks whatever it is. Now, yep. if it happens to attack the wrong space, <laughs> that's yep. where the problem happened. And yep. if it goes exactly. to your nerve system, it, it, you're done. I mean, we are basically motor, you know, the motor functions are all coming in through those wirings and the wirings are basically those nerves. And if they're not sending the message, it's over. I mean, that's all there is. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when when I went with my dad, you know, to the doctor, and I was trying to get him back to to walk, right? I mean, I, we didn't at the time we knew, but we still had hope. You know, you always have hope. Mm-hmm. And I went to a specialist, and he says he literally showed me his MRI and all the stuff in the back, and he says even if we did surgery, even if we did everything, he might have some sensation, but he would never walk again mm. because the, the nerves, you know, the, the whole spine, you know, was pretty much, you know, stopped. So there was no connection really. And, and, and I, that, that, that resonates with the concept of neurology and how it all works. I mean, you know, it basically you cut the, the, the cable and there's no more, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, uh, current mm-hmm. going down there and that's the end of it. So that's how it is. So it's very difficult. Uh, so, so now you, you finished, your three months and i'm sure you had a whole rehab phase that you had to get back i mean you had the breathing part but then what was the next steps you know for you for at least people that are watching or listening right now uh you know what what this is and obviously prevention you know the, to your point let's let's don't, don't eat raw stuff and 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 do the best that you can to stay you know healthy avoid surgery if you you can and all those things but really uh if there's this happens god forbid you know the rehab portion is always an interesting part and it's a very difficult one and long journey as well because i don't think that's just three months there's more no yeah it was absolutely uh quite a while and uh basically when i got out of icu you know i was I, I felt like my life had started over. I felt like I was given another chance. I had been so sick and ill and in so much pain in ICU and and just really losing hope about whether I had a future or not. And then when I got out of ICU, I realized, you know what, we are so much stronger than we realize as human beings and we can overcome really hard times. And I'd done that. And so it kind of just sparked this fire in me to keep going and to keep fighting. And, and so I started rehab 
I moved to a rehab hospital and I was very, very weak. So, I mean, I was like a newborn baby. It was right, like I was with my daughter learning how to do things. So I had to learn how to hold cutlery and how to feed myself and how to drink from a cup. And I had to re-strengthen every part of my body again to be able to use the, the different parts of my body. So I lost over 30 pounds of muscle mass in the hospital. And so I had to regain all that back. So it was like intense workouts every single day, just focusing on regaining that muscle and that muscle mind connection. And uh, it was intense. And I eventually learned how to stand. That was the first thing I did. I got out of bed and I was able to stand beside the bed uh, for 15 seconds at a time, I was so weak that I could barely even hang on. And then I had to sit back down and eventually I had to learn how to walk. And again, that was another really, really tough part of my journey that I worried, am I ever going to be able to get out of this wheelchair? So I was in a wheelchair for quite a while, uh, several months, uh, which was a, a whole different journey that, you know, you, you don't really realize what it's like to be in a wheelchair until you're in one. And I was in the hospital still at that time and, and just, you know, trying to get back to my life, just trying to get out of there, doing everything that I could. And eventually I uh, was able to really push hard in physiotherapy and re-strengthen those legs. And I was able to walk again. Well, I have to ask this. What was the reactionary daughter when she saw you standing again? <laughs> Well, she was just so little, right? So she was only she would have only been by that point she would have been about oh, five yeah. months old, right? So, but she was such a huge motivation for me because it was like you know what, like she's gonna have to do this probably in a year or so. She's gonna have to learn how to walk again, and she's gonna do it probably with a smile on her face, and she's gonna be laughing and all this. And for me, it wasn't like that. It was so hard and challenging, and I did it with tears in my eyes. And it was just like, I don't know if I can do this. And just seeing her was motivation enough to be, you know, like, you know what? Babies do it all the time. Babies learn how to walk and they just get back right up and they don't care and they don't have, have any fear about it. And so I just, I had to just do the exact same thing. It was your inspiration and hope. And by the way, hope is dangerous, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think, what was that? The Hunger Game. And I think there was a comment there, like, you don't give people hope because that's a, that's a strong, you know, uh, pill to give people that can, they can current, you know, uh, I guess, I guess governments or whatever. But, but my hope is powerful. And when you have that, mm -hmm. when you build that and you have a target that you really want to make it and survive through, you know, it's, it's very powerful. And yeah. it gives the mind all the energy that it needs and, and the motivation uh, to push forward. And you did. And and by the way, uh, you're downplaying, you say it, I mean, in words, and again, words are not as, I know, uh, you know, words are powerful, but a picture is, you know, worth a thousand words. And, and I'm sure if someone has seen you in the condition you were, they will know mm -hmm. what that meant. It's not, not, not a picnic. I mean, we see it in movies, but it's, conversation mm -hmm. it's not really what it is but but in real time you know it's it's mm -hmm. tough and again you're right you're looking at your daughter i mean when i asked the question i i was more hoping like was there like you know you were in bed and then all of a sudden like she's probably you know smirky and having big eyes you know google <laughs> <Googie, She was, laughs> yeah, those she, things you know kids giggle right you know they, yeah. they have different emotion well different ways to to i guess to share their emotions yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I first took my first steps and I, and I walked basically these two metal parallel bars that I had to walk and my mom was there, of course, and she was she had my daughter in her arms and she was at the end and she was cheering me on and it was just it was just surreal, right, to be learning how to walk 
and my mom there helping me as if I was a, a one-year-old again. So it was just incredible. And like you said, when you have that hope that whatever that dream is, and for me, that goal was to walk before my daughter would. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to walk be and be able to help her when she learned how to walk. Uh, that's sweet. And by the way, you know, we've, we, we talked about your daughter and, and you, but, but your mom, I mean, as a, as a parent, I mean, I'm sure she was devastated too, to see her daughter in that, you know, position and potentially losing her daughter, I'm sure. So, uh, that that's another person that, you know, sometimes we don't talk about it in shows like this, but, but your parents are also, uh, they're always going to be your parents and they're going to always worry. And until the last breath, they're going to have that. So going through that experience, I'm sure that was devastating for her too. And I'm not sure if, if that was there, but, but, you know, uh, yeah. anyone at that point would have been a difficult place for them to be. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can just imagine the, the the pain that they would have and and sorrow and everything and but but I'm sure they talk to doctors and doctors sometimes and doctors cannot guarantee you know that's the other thing no one has a we don't know it's looking good that's probably gonna be and so that keeps them just hanging you know it's not gonna give them the real you know you want to get like concrete results exactly. oh she's almost gonna be done she's good you know but you're not gonna get that because they don't yeah. they can't guarantee any unfortunately because of everything that goes on in malpractice and stuff no doctor will ever say we can exactly. guarantee she's going to be good. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And that's what people want to hear, though, that you want to hear that, but unfortunately we can't. So, so again, yeah. we're just setting the expectation, folks, that, you know, this is the reality of life we're in today, um, you know, and it's tough. Absolutely. Yeah, my family was there and I was very fortunate that, you know, it it affects, like you said, it affects so many more people than just the person that's in the hospital bed. It affects all the family members and all that. And so the support system was so important. And I was lucky that I had wonderful doctors and, and who told me, you know, you can recover from this disease. So GBS, even though it's it's quite rare. It only affects about like one to two out of every hundred thousand people, which I mean, when you think of a, of a size of like a city, it's, it still affects a, a large amount of people I'm every year. Yeah. yeah uh, but when you're going through it, you feel so alone and you feel like there can't possibly be anyone that understands what I'm going through. And so finding those other supports is so important. And that's whether you're going through GBS or another disease or any issue in life. If you're going through any struggle, you've got to find those people that are going through what you're going through or who've already overcome what you're going through because those are the people that are going to help get you out. Well, so a couple of questions, technical questions. I, I know you spend a lot of time in the hospital and I see you as expensive. You know, I, I'm just wondering, you know, I know, you probably had insurance, which is a good thing, but I'm sure there's deductible and stuff. Do you know what the cost was for 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 your time your stay? So I'm actually Canadian, so oh, we, uh, yeah. Well, I guess I guess rub it in, rub it in, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so that, I yeah. I did not, yeah, I did not see a bill, so I I don't know. I do know that the treatment that I have, which was a five day treatment, uh, cost. $10,000 each treatment. And so that let me, yeah, that was about, that probably will be about 15,000 Canadian, or I mean, uh, American. Uh, so, and that was over five days. So that was just the, the medical treatment that I had. And I was, that was I, just the first five days. So I can't I even you, imagine. If this was in the States, this probably would have cost me yeah, at least, uh, I mean, very modestly, half a million to a million yeah. dollars in terms of, of the state, the, the equipment, you know, the medications, all that. I yeah. mean, even with insurance, you probably, I mean, 
probably not not it, it's very difficult and and i had to ask because that is that is one of the biggest thing in healthcare i mean canada is definitely much better than than the us in terms of that i mean obviously you guys pay a lot of taxes to cover mm -hmm. for that uh and and by the way you know this is a good thing to talk about because most people think that in canada if because it's just you know public health if you want to call it that way you don't get the best of the best you know treatment and doctors and here we are with you you didn't go to specialize you know private you went to the system and you were able mm -hmm. to actually still get a good and and great service and and got yourself through which again kudos to to the to those doctors and, and the folks that were there for you yeah i did i was I, i consider myself very lucky that i was in canada and able to get the the help that i needed and and obviously it, it covered financially um but there are some a lot of horror stories and sad stories out there of people that don't get the same treatment even within canada i mean as a 26 year old you know they had a lot of hope for me and they were fighting for me but you know gbs affects people of all ages and it's so heartbreaking to see that sometimes you know if it's a 50 60 70 year old they just gotta write them off they just they just think you know like we're not even going to really try and and they may not give that person hope and they may not give that person much level of care but for me I was lucky that I, you know, I had a heart-wrenching story. I had a newborn there. And so everybody was fighting for me right alongside with me. Again, you're very fortunate. And, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but, but listen, you know, uh, we hear stories about guardian angels. We hear stories about, you know, that it's not time. We hear stories about, you know, and, and whatever beliefs we have, we have some sort of level of story that, that talks about your situation and, Uh, you know, in my world, it's it, it, you are still meant to to deliver in this world, and actually, and you have a legacy to keep, and you're doing that. I mean, through this show and multiples and the book that we're we're about to talk about, and you know, this story of yours ha happened, but it happened where you took it to the next level, where now you share it and you take it on the road to hopefully give hope again to the other mm -hmm. folks that to to as you said, maybe they may not have that from a different you know source but they'll get that from from your work that you're doing right now so now let's talk about fast forward how long was it really for you to actually be off and be like completely were you actually able to to be fully physically ready for your daughter's first steps I was yeah I I was able to uh, help her walk and, and all that I walked her to the first day of school and everything so it was about a year and a half I would say before I considered myself back to normal um, as close as normal I th as I think I could ever get um, I was able to do everything that I was doing before other than I would get tired really easily so if I walked up a lot of stairs uh, my legs would kind of feel weak by the top Um, I was fatigued a lot quicker. So if I pushed myself too hard, I would get tired and I dealt with a lot of nerve pain. And these are things that I still deal with to this day, even 12 years later. Uh, but I've learned a lot about my body and about ways to minimize that. So I'm very, very fortunate. Um, but as time went on and I started to learn more about GBS and, and, and met all these other people, I, I realized, you know, it affects people of various degrees and so some people are paralyzed like I was only about 30% actually will end up on a ventilator uh, the rest will only deal with paralysis you know up to their chest or up to their legs even so it depends on how severe the case is and then other people they don't recover and and that's a very sad truth about GBS is that not everyone does recover from GBS like I did 
And so when I look back at my journey and my story, you know, I, I, I have a lot of survivor's guilt because I recovered and I had such a great uh, outcome and not everybody does, but that also sparked a fire in me to, you know, bring awareness to what GBS is. And so many people don't know what it is. A lot of people have never heard of it. A lot of doctors, a lot of nurses have never even dealt with it. And I can say that, you know, they, they didn't really always understand how to take care of me when I was in the hospital. They didn't realize that I was dealing with all this severe pain and, and they would just kind of toss me around in bed. And, and there was just so much that I had to share. And I had this unique perspective to share after I went through what I did. And that's when I knew, you know, after I recovered, I knew that I had a story to share and I could bring awareness to GBS and I could help other people going through the disease and give them that hope. And you are doing that. Uh, so, so just before we get into that that part of the discussion, I know you're all, you became active again in the fitness and training, all the stuff. Um, and, uh, is there anything, any protocol that you specifically followed post, you know, the the recovery, and that that actually worked for you better to really get you know back your muscles, your you know your health, your immune system, you know, kicking back in gear. And another question to that, or the second part of that, would be: um, Is there a risk? For, for for it to actually relapse on you, like, you know, to, I guess, a remission case type of thing. Yeah, so I got into strength training. So when I was doing um, uh, the rehab therapy, I was with physiotherapist, and it was basically like strength training is what I was doing. And so regaining that muscle. And then from there, um, there was various different things that I got into uh, through either my physiotherapy recommendations or through my doctor. Uh, so yoga was one. I was very, very stiff and achy just from everything that I went through. And so yoga did wonders for my body. Uh, strength training was great for the the building of the muscles. And then I got into running, which was a personal goal of mine. I, I never ran before GBS, but it was something, you know, I, I want to be able to pay, play tag with my daughter. And I remember when I started, it was so awkward at first. And it, like, it just felt strange because my legs weren't 100%. But I did it anyways, and, and gradually in, improved to be able to run five kilometers every several days. So running became a huge passion of mine, as is strength training, I got into fitness, got into the best shape of my life, which was amazing, because I, I didn't always believe that I would get there. But the body is incredible. I mean, we can go through Things like GBS, where you're completely paralyzed and come back and get to where I was. And so I wanted my story as well to just show other people that, you know, you can go from zero to where I am. And from there, that's when I got certified and, and actually started teaching other people what, you know, how to gain strength and, and how to get back into fitness or get into fitness if it's for the first time and, and anybody can do it. Well, you know, I the people are watching and listening right now, I think GPS or not, they not GPS, GBS <laughs> or not, you know, they, they will, they get that, the concept of, of, of hope here, because by the way, I think this, this relate to all the diseases out there and the illnesses out there and everybody is suffering for whatever it is, you know, there is hope and there's not, there's other people just like you out there that are going through it or have conquered it. And, uh, they're out you know, trying to do their best to share similar stories of, of, of success and, and just, you know, being better and, and really doing the work. Now that inspired you to write a book. 
So the name of the book is? Life Support, Surviving Guillain-Barre Syndrome. So it's basically a journey of my very first symptoms through the hospital and then going back in time um, with my my childhood and, and then going in the future with my recovery. And it's a very detailed account of what I went through, mostly in ICU. Um, obviously, that was the hardest part of my journey and how I overcame that and how I ended up turning it into something so beautiful and, and turning it into, you know, this horrible thing happened to me instead. Now it's one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. And it put me on a new path and it gave me a passion in life and it brought me to where I am today. You know, I have to say this. Uh, there are a few people I've had on shows that if my network was bigger enough, we would have made a movie about those <laughs> those cases. And I, I, I promise this, if when we make it big, you know, there will be a movie section where we will look at these things because your story can literally fit perfectly in a, in a movie script mm -hmm. that actually mm -hmm. can really turn, you know, people to excitement. And it will be a lot of maybe drama piece of it. It will be a lot of nostalgic stuff, but it will also be a lot of hope and positivity in it and inspiration in there. So uh, listen, if anyone beats me to it, you know, more, <laughs> that's okay, folks. You know, but Holly, Holly's book, you know, should should have a, a fair shot at it, you know, sooner than later. Uh, and and definitely, you know, uh, it, it's a story that that could be projected to, to the world. And because mm -hmm. I mean, not everybody's gonna get to it through my network here or or through the you know the different places. I mean, you are viral in a lot of areas, your videos are all over, and hopefully people can check them out. And by the way, you can, you know, check out her way, you know, her information later on and follow her on Instagram. I'll have all that on the description of the show. So you can connect with Holly and 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 check out her, you know, her journey and and work. But but certainly it's it's a, it's just a great thing. Now, now uh, I'm assuming the book is available, you know, in all the standard platforms. Yep. Amazon. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. Amazon Indigo chapters. Your daughter Amazon. is how old now? My daughter is now 12 years old. Yeah, oh, wow. it's wild. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, 12 years ago doesn't seem like that long ago to me, but she's all grown up now. It seems she's actually taller than me. Okay. Well, <laughs> so, but, 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 but she knows all the stuff and she's seen you. She She's seen all the videos. Um, uh, my recovery videos have, have gone viral many, many times. And so she's seen that. She's seen herself in the videos. Obviously, she doesn't remember, but she knows every detail. I've talked to her about so much about what went on in ICU and what I overcame. And so it's like she feels like as if she was right there with me and, and she knows every part of the, the story. And uh, it's given us this really incredible bond that I don't think we would have had had we not gone through GBS together. Well, I'm not going to thank GBS for that. <laughs> but, 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 I, I can. Uh, no, but, but yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, but 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 the fact is, you're right. I mean, it's, but see, that's your positivity. You know, mm -hmm. you, you see that it happened and there's a reason behind it and it's working, right? But, but the fact of the matter is, you know, one thing that happened that your daughter was too young to actually go through the pain that you were going through. At least that it's one yes. thing to watch it later than what that then going through it. Like for example, your mom had, you know, your mom Absolutely. was obviously older, so she can absorb that pain differently than if, you know, if your daughter that at the time she was like maybe five or six or 10 or at this age right now, I mean, th that would be a crucial age for, for Absolutely. that. So, and, yeah. and I'm sure there are people out there today that are going mm -hmm. through this with kids with and that may be older. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, I really had to to do that is, you know, just find the the hidden gifts and and be grateful for certain aspects of my journey like that, you know, that my daughter was so young. So and then my daughter was there with us. She was like this little bright light in such a dark time. I can't imagine if she wasn't in ICU, uh, you know, just bringing laughter into that room when we were going through such a hard time. And so it's, I, I know that, you know, a lot of people believe everything happens for a reason but not everybody does and you don't always have to believe that you know this happened to me for a reason but you can try to find a reason you can know you can say okay well this this is something positive that came out of that and that's what i see not only just with my daughter and the bond that we've created but in my entire life i mean it's made me so much more ambitious it's made me go after a lot more goals it's made me uh, try new things and be more adventurous. And these are things that I would have never had or gone through had I not experienced GBS. So it's definitely changed my life for the better. And that's something that I choose to focus on. Well, you, you have a different sense of appreciation for life. Exactly. Uh, I mean, anyone that had trauma in their life would would probably relate to you better than than folks that, that take it for granted, right? Mm -hmm. You know, only when you go through pain and through suffering, whatever that may be, you know, that's when you start really appreciating, you know, even financially, some people get through mm -hmm. tough, hard, hard times, you know, in financials. And that's when they realize like all the blessings they might have, you know, had or, or, the, you know, or things like how other people may have had it rough. So things, you know, and that's the least amount. I mean, financial stress is one thing. I mean, but nothing beats, you know, when your body, you know, is, is the one that is yeah. actually getting inflicted, uh, you know, cause you can, money can go and come back, but health can be very difficult to regain. And it, and if it does, it's a lot of work and, and years go by, but I love your perspective. I love your vision of, of positivity and, and, and you're projecting that to the world. Now I do want to go back to one thing. Now you were working when this whole thing happened. Uh, was there any type of, you know, I mean, were you able to go back to your career path or you, you, you changed it all, 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 all over again, you know, to a different path? No, I was able to go back to my job again. I was very fortunate because I was in Canada. And so in Canada, we get actually a year off <laughs> for maternity leave. And so I was lucky that, you know, I had that year off anyways, and I was able to get disability through my employer. So very fortunate there. And I was able to have my recovery and just focus on it. Um, and then after that, I was able to go back to my job and get back into human resources. Um, from there, I've branched out and done tons of different stuff. So I've done fitness training and I'm, I do, obviously, I wrote the book and, and do a lot of speaking. And so I've kind of just gone on many different paths from that experience. Well, listen, you, 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 you were young, you're still young, you still have the energy, you still want to do a lot of things and you have plenty of stuff to, to share, to give, right? I mean, your experience, experiences across the board can be very well, you know, accepted around the world. And by the way, you wrap, you know, the idea of like, you know, a whole year of maternity leave. We don't get that here. <laughs> I, I know, I know. <laughs> we don't get that here. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, some countries may not even have any. Some countries may mm -hmm. have better. I don't know. But yeah. I just know that our FMLA is like 120 days and, you know, you're lucky if you keep that. So, yeah. uh, but, but so, yeah, I mean, listen, whole Canada. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have to say so. So, but 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 listen, I mean, it it is it is. You know, I mean, we have some fun here, but but again, this also shows like how every, you know, it's amazing. We don't look at it from that kind of concept. Like the system sometimes, you know, can make a difference in in life or that. You know, in, in this case, 
And there are parts of the world where people have no, the healthcare is so bad. They just die because there's nobody to take care of them in the first place. And again, I mean, from a religious perspective, everybody goes in due time. But but still, I mean, you know, you can still think that, you know, everybody has a hope for someone to have the care and at least get the, the due diligence process. And there are places in the world that don't even get close. You know, uh, it's unfortunate, but that's reality. Yeah, and the GBS affects people all over the world in uh, many, many cultures and countries and all all ages. I mean, I know people that are as young as two, three years old. Um, and I met a man uh, from Peru, actually, that he literally didn't even go to the hospital and he recovered at home. And I can't even imagine what that would be like to not have a healthcare system to help you through that. And he re- he actually recovered on his own completely. Well, I mean... Listen, there's resilience. There is, I mean, every, it, it, circumstances are different. And, you know, the, the mind also plays, a, you know, and again, the support system, you yep. know, whoever was there, I'm sure it was difficult, maybe even worse and harder than, than you had it. I mean, only he can probably describe what that looked like. And uh, it's hard. Now, I have to say, you you hear the stories. I'm sure it, it gets very sensitive to you. Like it gets emotional when you, you, you actually in, in face of other people that, you know, and I am talking to you now. It's becoming a, a regular practice for you, but I'm sure that it's still emotionally, you know, strong in there. You know, and when you talk about, it, I can feel it. I can I can hear it from you when you talk about it. How it, it's so deep in there. Uh, now, now you've gone through all this. You're doing this. What's next for you? Well, right journey? now I'm just yeah. I I'm actually very very pleased that I'm a part of the GBS CIDP Foundation. So the CIDP or GBS CIDP Foundation uh, here in Canada is basically an organization that helps people that are going through GBS. And then CIDP is another disorder um, related to GBS. And so for me, that is such a huge passion of mine is getting to uh, bring awareness, run uh, campaigns to raise money for GBS survivors and, and for supports. Um, and then my favorite, which it's wild to think that this is my favorite part, but it is, is to go into hospitals and visit patients. And I've actually gone into ICUs, uh, the same ICU that I was in as well, and walked into hospital rooms and, you know, just said, I've, I've been where you have. And I know it feels like you're not going to get out of there but you have to have hope because I was once where you are and look at me now. Just, just that in its own mm-hmm. can make a difference. I mean, if, and, and people will relate to that. I mean, okay. because when they see you standing there and they know that you were in their shoes, they're going to be like, well, I have a shot. I can do better. Exactly. And that in itself can make a difference in how the mindset. See, if the mind is, sees the positive and, and it gets, you know, really encouraged. I mean, it's kind of give whatever fight that it needs to do to make it better. But if there is no hope to your point and people just lose it, they basically collapse and that's the end of it. They just basically, they lose the will to live and that's not something you want. So again, thank you for doing that. And, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, chapeau hats, you know, whatever, you know, kudos, you know, any other descriptive here, you know, is yours uh, for the work you do. And I always admire people that, that give back in this world and you know no matter what we well everybody's going through something in their life and always learn you know from that and see like you know when you see somebody else think about them think about you uh, and see that you know and sometimes there's always someone that's going through tough times in one way or the other if not them somebody in their family so be considerate be nice to people uh and and just help whenever you can and uh you know hopefully you know we're we we can never say this because at the end of the day 
illness is always going to be part of life and you know there's mm -hmm. different levels of them and multiples you hear new new things all the time and you know these these new diagnoses and whatever but at the end of the day <clears throat> there are people that go through them they survive and you know the best thing is that when you guys you know like in your case you went out and did all the work to bring it to others and helping others to be better and you're doing all the stuff that you love which is just awesome i mean that's the other mm -hmm. and plus you have a great bond with your daughter and uh, that's also like i'm telling you it's a book it's a movie i mean I, it's <laughs> definitely a movie you know <laughs> all right so so we're 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 actually coming out to the end of the show here but um what would be some last words of wisdom you want to share with our audiences today I think I want to go back to that quote that I talked about, that courage doesn't always roar quote. Um, so I'll repeat it. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes it's the quiet voice at day's end saying, I'll try again tomorrow. And I think that that's so important for anybody going through anything in their life. You know, you just have to keep moving forward. And for me, that reading that quote when I was in ICU was very profound for me because I remember at the moment... I didn't feel like I was strong. I didn't feel like I was going to get through ICU. I didn't feel like I was going to overcome GBS. And people kept telling me, you're so strong, Holly, you can do this. And I felt ashamed that I didn't feel that way. Uh, but when I read that quote, it was like, you know what? Courage doesn't always roar. It, it's sometimes just this quiet voice. It doesn't always have to be this like, you know what? I got this. I'm going to overcome this. I can do this. Sometimes you're going to try with tears in your eyes saying, you know, I can just try again tomorrow. And that's what I did. And that's really how I got to where I am today. It wasn't easy. It wasn't this drastic before and after that you see of my uh, recovery. It was, you know, all these tiny little accomplishments along the way. And I think that's so important for people to just hold on to those tiny accomplishments that you're making, celebrate those tiny wins, just keep trying again tomorrow and never give up. Love it. And you know what? That's the strongest message you can give people. I mean, hope is, is real. Every day is a new day and one step at a time. You know, you don't have to do it all in one, you know, exactly. lump sum. And I think that's that's a mistake you know, a lot of us make where we want everything today, yesterday. Yes. And, you know, we, we use the expression like, when you need it, yesterday. Well, I mean, we get that that that, that rush. We get that, you know, urgency. But but there are things that are not going to happen that way. And uh, you gotta put small victories. Yeah, that's it. You know, like they say, like you can lose a, a battle, but you know, you didn't. You can still win the war. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, the, those daily battles can be like won, you know, or maybe lost. Exactly. But it's the picture that gives you the final outcome, and you know, it only takes it step by step. You know, like I'm, I'm gonna start saying step by step. <laughs> I'm, I'm dating myself, but but you know, it's funny you said something. I remember. Earlier. <laughs> you you stated something funny earlier to say like some people, you know. Um, you were lucky because you were younger and they people saw the story and someone that would be 50 and 60, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> They're not even going to look at me. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's not the case for everybody by any means. Um, but, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's amazing, right? Well, yeah. you know, what we want people to just really guys for, for know this, that you, you are who you are. You are an advocate you know, for yourself and people out there and circumstances vary and hopefully that you you will get if god forbid something happens to anyone watching or listening right now that you'll get the right you know treatment the right folks to actually support you and really get get guide you through whatever you're going through and um, i wish everybody a healthier life and a better life and, and that's all i can say at least from my end here um and uh, that's about it 
Holly, it was it was such a pleasure, and uh, you know, I, I it just uh, you took me through that journey, and I'm telling you, like I'm I'm just thinking about that movie thing right now. <laughs> I'm like, but but well, it, 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 it's a great that's a great story, and it's it's real. And uh, thank you so much for the work you do. Thank you so much for having me on and just giving me the opportunity to you know share my story and bring awareness for GBS and bring um, some hope to whatever you're going through in your life right now. Thank you, and there you have it, folks. Hope is your key here and take it for what it's worth i'm hurricane h uh, we'll be talking soon new day new show new guest bye for now there's a lot of talk all over the internet these days about the remarkable benefits of carbon 60 and baby boomers are especially excited about it whatever generation you're in if you want more energy better health and a boost in vitality we invite you to try gresca's carbon 60 a stunning development in free radical destruction. Being much smaller in size than conventional antioxidants derived from fruits and vegetables, it is far more bioavailable to quickly mend the toxin-crippled cells in your body. Greska's Carbon 60 is the only C60 product that is made without the use of undesirable solvents, the only one. Greska's Carbon 60 was developed by a brilliant NASA carbon scientist and 95% report positive results from this Nobel Prize winning technology in just four days. Visit c-60.com. That's c-60.com or call 720-600-6040. 